Welcome to Extraterrestrial Reality. The Wall Street Journal on November 1st ran an opinion piece that states that uh, UAP sightings can be attributed to marijuana and cataracts. Now, before we get into this, uh, this is in line with everything that's been happening since last week when the New York Times ran an article uh, that featured uh, quotes from anonymous Pentagon sources who basically downplayed the uh, UAP report that was handed to Congress on uh, Monday, October 31st. Uh, there's uh, the classified version Congress received. Uh, now, there's still yet to be an unclassified version uh, that's supposed to be uh, open for the public review. Uh, but uh, that has, as of this recording, uh, that has not yet happened as, as far as I know. Um, but uh, that article in the New York Times downplayed the, uh, tried to downplay the whole report. And that report, uh, from what we know, it has 366 UFO cases. And uh, about 50% of them were explained as either Chinese spy drones or air clutter like balloons. Uh, now, the Wall Street Journal on October 29th ran a bogus article about this, too, uh, uh, called UFO Mystery Shouldn't Drag On. Uh, it was another bogus uh, article, basically trying to downplay the whole thing. People sick of, you know, this guy, whoever, this guy who wrote it, sick of uh, the whole UFO topic. Um, and this little opinion piece that ran on November 1st in the, in the Wall Street Journal was written by a retired Air Force pilot. Uh, named Art Saboski. And the headline for this in the Wall Street Journal states, A pilot explains UFO sightings for the last time. The two key factors are recreational marijuana and cataracts. And let me just throw something out here. You, I, I haven't read a Wall Street Journal article in a long time. Every time I go there, uh, it's always pay, there's a paywall. So I, I usually don't get to read it. But for some reason, this one's there's no paywall. And the New York Times article from last week, there was no paywall on that initially, at least for me. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. Isn't, isn't that funny? Well, anyway, let's uh, get into this little opinion piece that, uh, from Art Saboski. It says, I've had enough of UFOs. After 45 years as an aviation professional with thousands of hours piloting various aircraft, I am bothered that everyone else seems to know they exist except me. And after associating all these years with countless numbers of fellow pilots, I found that they've never seen any either. Now, let's just stop there. I'm sorry to say here, Art, but uh, just because you didn't see one doesn't mean they're not there. They, they don't happen. Uh, uh, I've seen one. Uh, of course, I'm not a pilot, but I saw one in 1994. I, you know, if I didn't see it, that, that if that didn't happen, I, I, I still wouldn't have seen one myself. You could live your whole life and not see and not see one of these things, right? But the fact is, a lot of people do see them. And just because you didn't see them doesn't mean that they're not there. And as far as these other pilots that you're talking about, okay, so what? That's but that that's only anecdotal evidence. Are you are you sure that maybe some of them uh, didn't want to tell you? you? I mean, you sound like a guy who doesn't believe in this. So, like, if, if I was a fellow pilot and I knew how you were, like, from just reading this little piece here, you sound like the kind of guy I'm not going to tell him about my UFO sighting. I'm not going to tell this guy. They probably didn't tell you. I mean, you sound like a jerk, actually. You know, that's just my opinion. You know, just like this is your opinion. Okay, but I'm giving you, my, I'm giving my opinion now. All right, let's continue here. When pilots gather, we just don't talk about them. What's the point? If you can't see them, there's not much to say, is there? Okay, you don't talk about them. Well, maybe they don't talk about them because they don't want to talk to you about them. Like I said, I mean, who knows? Who knows what the reason is? I mean, just because some pilots that you know didn't 
see one and just because you didn't see one doesn't mean other pilots didn't see them i mean we just had we had a bunch of different reports from military officials saying all these pilots saw them they all saw them are you, are you suggesting that they're that they're all uh, smoking marijuana before they go flying around in their jet fighters i mean i don't know what you're getting at here anyway let's continue I admit, however, to having some envy. It would sure be nice to capture and fly an object that never runs out of fuel, never has to land, and is visible only to non-aviation people who think aliens are eating the cattle in western Nebraska. That's the most idiotic thing you, you basically state here. I mean, I don't know. Uh, no, who, we don't know how, if they have what kind of fuel they run on. I mean, there's been talk about uh, some element 115, possibly, but uh, we, we really don't know. It's, you know, I... Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I never really... I mean, how do you know that they don't have fuel? I mean, where did you hear that? On some science fiction movie? I I, I'm, I don't know. I mean, you're obviously not... You're not uh, read up on this, obviously. You have no education whatsoever. To have, you're completely not qualified to talk about this because you obviously haven't done zero research on this. So, I mean, why is the Wall Street... That's what I'm trying to wonder here. What's wrong with the Wall Street Journal putting something like this in there who who told them to do this are they is, is it was a uh, pentagon cashing in on some favors or something i mean i'm trying to figure this out i don't get like why somebody would put this idiotic uh, piece in there it's not even funny there's nothing funny about this i mean there's there wouldn't even be any kids that would find this funny it's just stupid uh and then uh and it's only visible uh, it says here and they never have to land what are you talking about they never land how do you know that actually there's all kinds of cases where where these ufos are seen landing See, again, you're, you're totally uneducated on this. There was a guy from the Midwest named Ted Phillips who investigated thousands of, of, uh, uh, of landing cases, found physical trace evidence where these things landed. So, again, you're not qualified to talk about this. You have no idea what you're talking about. I mean, you tell, it's like, and the Wall Street Journal is running this piece from this idiot who has no idea what he's talking about? It makes you wonder, doesn't it? Anyway... And he, well, well, just one more thing here. He talks about aliens eating the cattle in western Nebraska. Well, yeah, well, there's cattle are getting mutilated, and people have seen UFOs near them. I mean, yeah, I guess apparently you did hear a little bit about that. Yeah, they're drained of blood, and they're missing uh, parts. They're missing eyeballs, uh, uh, laser precision cuts on them. Yeah, that's happening. We don't know what they're doing. Uh, we spe- I mean, I've been speculating on this podcast that uh, that they're actually using the blood. They drink the blood because uh, so, some people who have who have seen these beings, they're they're insect. They're like insects, and if they're uh, if that's what they are, if they're insects, if they're uh, advanced insects, then they might be drinking blood, and maybe that's why the the cattle mutilations are happening. I mean, since the 1960s, uh, the people in the government have trying to have been trying to blame like satanic cults and stuff like that, but there's been nobody ever caught doing this yet. So, I mean, I don't know why it's so, it's not a joke. It's not funny. This is, there's nothing funny about this. Go, go, go uh, say this to one of these ranchers that have to deal with this on a regular basis who end up losing cattle all the time because, you know, you, and they, and a lot of them sometimes see these UFOs. So again, I don't think you know what you're talking about. You're not qualified to talk about this. And again, that makes you wonder what's this opinion piece doing in a publication like the Wall Street Journal? And then he goes on. I'd like to talk with an alien too. I've got questions like, do they have lavatories on board or is their waste invisible too? Wow, that's so funny. I forgot to laugh. I mean, I know the Wall Street Journal's not, it's not meant for kindergarten kids because that's about the only pe- uh, people I know who would laugh at that joke like that. That's not even funny. It's so funny. I forgot to laugh. Anyway, here, let's continue with this. It says, well, I've had it and I'm bringing the entire issue to a halt. Hey, hey, good luck. 
Good luck with that one, man. You'll never bring it to a halt until we get to the bottom of this mystery. Uh, Continuing, the public persists in pushing the UFO phenomenon through these imagined sightings, so I'm, I'm reversing that by declaring they don't exist simply because my pilot friends and I haven't seen them. Well, sorry, buddy. Um... Uh, too bad you didn't see them and uh, they're not imagined they're real uh, you're gonna tell all these all these pilots that have been reporting them I just uh, just a month or so ago I remember doing a podcast where there was uh, uh, some re- 65 separate Navy flyer reports range fowler reports with uh, all these 65 separate incidents of, of UAP sightings and that's just that's just the tip of the iceberg. There's, there's, there's thousands of these reports over the year for the decades. I mean, again, I'm sorry that you didn't see one uh, as, when you were a pilot, but uh, again, maybe you're just dense or something. Maybe you were the one smoking pot on the plane because you, you, you weren't paying attention. Maybe you're daydreaming. There was UFOs all over the place, but you didn't see them because you were as high as a kite. I don't. I'm just wondering. You know, I, I don't know for that's just my. I'm just asking. Anyway. Are we aviation professionals all wrong? While a few quirky non-aviators who mostly enjoy recreational marijuana are all right? I don't think so. Wait, so basically the only people that you're saying this are people who aren't pilots who basically are uh, land-based uh, and smoking pot all the time. So that's the only people, the only people seeing this are potheads, basically. It's a, it's a, that's his accusation here. It's, what a stigma. This is the Wall Street Journal people. Wall Street Journal's putting this garbage in there in this, in, 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 in for the whole world to see. Millions of subscribers, one of the biggest publications in the world running this, running this trash. Trash. Anyway, continuing. Besides, all these UFO sightings are easily explained, and I'm surprised no one has ever hit on the answer before. Cataracts, floaters too. That's boy, wow! Again, I'm, I'm, I'm. It's so funny. I, I, it's, I can't laugh. I, I forgot. I'm forgetting to laugh. It's not coming out. I'm just, you know, it's just not there. But uh, yeah, it's surprising that a, a publication like the Wall Street Journal would uh, put in some garbage. Uh, piece like this basically some guy trying to stigmatize the entire thing just because he is a pilot and all for, for 40 plus years he never saw a ufo well that's your 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 problem like you can live your whole life and never see one you know i saw one in august of 1994 on a fishing trip uh it was a spur to moment fishing trip and if that didn't happen i never would have saw one either and i'm in my 50s now so you a per, your person could live their whole life and not see them. a lot of people don't see them uh, and a lot of pilots don't see them either, but there are a lot of pilots who do see them. And in fact, there's been some articles this past week I've, 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 that I've read where there was most certainly multiple pilots seeing them. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's just surprising. I, get, I think to me what this signifies, uh, the fact that there's been an effort. There has been an effort. There's a force out there. Somebody in the Pentagon's trying to push this stuff. Uh, somebody's telling the Wall Street Journal. Somebody's telling the New York Times, "Hey, we want to. We want. We're trying to downplay this. We, we, we. You know, we, we're cashing in on some favors here. You know, you, 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 uh, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. And that's what I think is going on. I mean, I, I do believe that there is uh, another faction in the, within the Pentagon. There are definitely some elements that do want to get this out. And uh, like I've said before, I'm hoping, hopefully, you know, when this uh, new National Defense Authorization Act. Uh, legislation is approved and signed by the president uh that uh it, which will provide some whistleblower protection for some pen, for people within the government and also private contracting companies that know about 
ufos and extraterrestrials that you know once that goes into effect hopefully some of them start stepping forward because you know they shouldn't have any they shouldn't have anything to worry about then but yeah, isn't it funny? Like that that uh, that Wash the Wall Street Journal would run an opinion piece like this and make a big deal out of it and, and blame basically the guy. I mean, it's funny that the guy's blaming recreational marijuana on it. You know, I guess all these other pilots too that do see them. I got, are, you, are you saying that they're smoking dope? They're flying around in in uh, you know jet fighters high on marijuana. Is that what you're saying? I mean, that's what it seems like. I mean, this 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 is junk. I mean, this is like. This is something you should. I mean, it's, it's just to me, this is something you would see like on a, uh, on a like in Reddit or something. You know, somebody making a stupid comment like on Reddit. That's fine, right? Not in the Wall Street Journal. Not in the Wall Street Journal. To put this guy's ridiculous, dumb comment in there. Like to me, it's like there's an effort. There's people in there that are people that don't believe in this. Obviously, people at the Wall Street Journal, people in the New York Times who don't believe in it, who th- who do think it's nonsense, who. Uh, uh, and who have buddies within the Pentagon, you know, who are telling them, hey, we want you to run this uh, bogus article for us uh, to try to downplay UFOs. That's what's going on. It's, it's same old. They're, they're using the same old playbook from before. Uh, it's not going to work this time. The Pandora's box is already open, man. This this is a done deal. We're, we're going to get to the bottom of this one way or the other, no matter what what uh, uh, these uh, morons try to try to do to try to stop it it's just not going to happen there's going to be something's going to happen whether the aliens themselves do something right or some whistleblower comes forward with the with the with the 100 guaranteed uh no turning back evidence right and then people like this uh art sabosky you know the new york times all these people that are trying to downplay it uh on all these debunkers right they're going to look like morons in the end i guarantee no matter what i mean whether it's now or 100 years from now at some point right people are going to look back at these at this era right and the people that are talking like this guy here and the debunkers and all that they're going to look like complete absolute idiots right they're going to look like fools they're going to look like this the way we look now at people back in the day who 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 were steadfast that the earth was flat i mean that's that's what they're going to look like anyway we're going to take a quick break and when we get back we're going to talk about efforts we're going to talk about efforts by uh the air force to basically to uh intimidate uh people into uh telling lies about what happened at the roswell crash okay we are back um I just want to go through uh, some stories here. So this, these are things that aren't talked about a lot, and uh, I think they should be talked about. And actually, they're things that uh, you know you could find in different books about the Roswell UFO crash, but it's not stuff you usually hear in the documentaries. It's not something that gets in that they, that people really dive into a lot. This is why I always say, if you want to know about Roswell, you really have to read about it. You're really not going to find everything you need to know about the Roswell crash. Uh, on a tv documentary you're just not gonna just there's just it's too complex for that you know there's there's different books i recommend uh, the best book out there is actually roswell the ultimate cold case closed by uh thomas carey and donald schmidt uh these guys wrote several books about roswell they actually researched it for like three decades right they talked to first and second hand witnesses and they they did all the legwork i mean unlike uh mainstream news publications like the new york times washington post or any news channel fox news 
ABC, uh, CBS, NBC, none of these news channels, no, 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 no big mainstream news organization ever did a, a thorough investigation into the Roswell case. They just basically let the Pentagon get away with the gigantic lie uh, for 75 years. Uh, now, of course, initially, I don't blame them, but it, uh, in, the, in, the, in the late 70s, right, they had a chance to look into this and they never did. It was always independent researchers that did the investigating, did the hard work, including people like Donald Schmidt and Thomas Carey, who basically spent a good chunk of their lives studying Roswell and writing and putting books out about it, about their research and what they discovered. Uh, however, uh, there were efforts by the Air Force to pressure uh, certain people, uh, certain military, uh, former military personnel uh, into lying about what happened and we're going to talk about that and now one of the people that was pressured was uh jesse marcel jr dr jesse marcel jr he's the son of jesse major uh, the late both of them are now deceased uh, jesse marcel senior and jesse marcel jr unfortunately but uh uh, Jesse Marcel Sr., of course, as everyone knows, uh, he was one of the witnesses to the wreckage. Uh, there were basically, uh, there was a site uh, about 75 miles northwest of Roswell where on a, on a ranch in the middle of nowhere where there was all this debris that he that he saw and brought some, he, he loaded a, a bunch of this debris into his, he was told by this rancher, you know, that, hey, there's this debris out there. And they went out to this ranch and they stayed there overnight. And the next morning he went out and he picked up a bunch of debris, loaded up his Jeep with it, drove back into the, to, to the Roswell Army Air Force Base. But before he did, he stopped at his house and took that box uh, box of the debris in to show his wife and son, his son, Jesse Jr. in 1947, was 11 years old. Now, uh, Jesse Jr. saw some of this material. It was very strange. It was very lightweight, but very, very strong. It looked like something like aluminum foil, but it wasn't. And plus, one of the most intriguing aspects of the, the debris was like an I-beam that had like these hieroglyphic uh, writings on it embossed inside it somehow. It was very strange stuff, he said. He never saw anything like it before or since. Um, and actually, I'm going to read a little bit from actually Jesse Marcel Jr. Uh, wrote a book. And now just 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 be clear here before I even get further. Now, Jesse Major Jesse Marcel Sr. was actually the top intelligence guy at the Roswell Army Air Force Base back in 1947 when the crash happened. OK, so uh, he would know that, like, even though the army later on came out and said it was a, a weather balloon, there was no way that it was Jesse Marcel uh, senior was told that hey we're just going to go and say it was a weather balloon and don't say anything else and then it was a, basically nobody talked about roswell for like 30 years until the late 70s when uh marcel senior finally told ufo researcher stanton friedman and then the rest is history told stanton friedman what he knew about it right um but anyway uh so and now jesse marcel jr uh, he was a he's a, he was he's now deceased now too. He he's a do, he was a doctor. He served in the United States Navy from 1962 to 1971, and in the Montana Army National Guard from 1975 to 1996. And he was also in a helicopter unit uh, in a 13 month tour of Iraq in 2004 and 2005. So uh, he, now he he wrote a book, and I have this book, and I actually. I actually interviewed uh, Jesse Marcel Jr. at one time. Some of the people I've talked to on the phone in different interviews for different UFO articles when I used to work at a newspaper, one of them was Jesse Marcel Jr., really nice guy. And this book came out in 2009 that he wrote. It's called The Roswell Legacy. Now, it doesn't have a lot of 
uh, I mean, it's it's interesting to hear things from his side, or, you know, his point of view, right? Uh, most of the stuff we already knew, but he did have some a lot of interesting other things to talk about in it too that we never really heard about. But he did talk about how uh, he saw this material when he when he was a. Uh, when he was a kid and that it was different and uh he also talked about how he was approached uh by in in the late 90s there was a book that the air force came out with they actually came out with a couple reports in night in 1994 and then in 1997 they came out with their final report called the roswell report case closed right and that roswell report case closed basically contended that what the what was seen and what, what back in roswell in 1947 wasn't the ufo wasn't a uh, extraterrestrial craft it was just this top secret uh, balloon for a project called project mogul which they're sending up these balloons in to high altitude balloons trying to spy on russia to try to determine whenever it would they had a radio device inside on the balloon that would uh let the uh the, the people that uh, that were sending the balloons up on whether russia launched a, or detonated an atomic bomb we, we were waiting to see when because we knew russia at that time was working on developing its own atomic bomb and we were trying to figure out when they finally test one so that's what the that's what they uh, that's what that book in 1997 con contended. It was written by a guy from the Air Force named James uh, McAndrew. Now, this McAndrew had contacted uh, Jesse Jr. and other people leading up to the um, this release of this book, and he kept on contacting Marcel and. Uh, and Marcel, he was trying to get Marcel to believe that it was a balloon. And Marcel saying, no, everything you're just like, he, he contended to, you know, Marcel Jr. went to his grave saying that, no, the stuff I saw that my dad brought back into the house that night, that, that, that he brought in, the, the debris that he brought in to let me and my mom look at was not any kind of balloon material. And he would have known this guy was, he was in the military himself then for all these years by this point. But this McAndrew was basically trying to pressure him into doing it. Now, uh, and he t and he talks about that. He mentions that in his book. If you if you're if you were to read the Roswell Legacy by Jesse Marcel Jr., he does uh, touch on this, and you know, in this book, and uh, he uh, actually says here, I'll I'll read a little snippet from it, and this is on page ninety two and uh, ninety three. And it says here, it says, uh, I received a call from the Air Force Base. Because I was a colonel in the Montana National Guard, he began the conversation with, Colonel, we need your help. I was not sure at first who it was that needed my help. As it turned out, the Air Force wanted to feel me out as to what I thought the debris from Roswell really was. I began by describing what I had seen in as much detail as my memory would allow. At the end of my description, the caller said that he believed that I had seen parts of a mogul balloon device, namely the radar reflector that was a part of the mogul balloon train. I then pointed out the discrepancies between what I had seen and handled in Roswell and the radar target. He was not impressed. I then asked him, just as I would later asked dr Ch charles b moore charles b moore is somebody we'll get into that guy later on he was the guy who was in, in charge of project mogul uh if the plastic bake-like esque material i had felt could have been part of the housing for the radio transmitter carried aloft with the radar targets he said that he did not think so because the radio was housed in either a cardboard or aluminum container as we reached the end of our conversation, he said something to the effect that he was not sure what I had seen, but that it had obviously not been part of the Mogul project. I later learned that he had been tasked with gathering pertinent information for inclusion in the official Air Force document I mentioned previously, the Roswell Report, Case Closed. Uh, 
Uh, when that when that document was published, it concluded that what my father and I had seen had indeed been a radar target, inasmuch as the points made in my conversation with the Air Force were contrary to such a conclusion. I had held firmly to my opinion that it was not a radar target, and the Air Force official had admitted he couldn't say for sure what I had seen. I realized once and for all that the government was either too inept to relay a factual account or was participating in a well-choreographed cover-up. As did my late father, I have no doubt that what I saw in Roswell was unearthly in origin. Uh, let's stop right there. So so they tried to pre basically pressure Jesse Marcel Jr. in the 90s before the release of that uh, uh, Roswell report case closed, that bogus report, it tried to, which basically tried to say it was... Uh, uh, and that not, not only did it try to say that the... Uh, that what people saw wasn't a crashed flying saucer, but it was actually a balloon, a, you know, this mogul balloon. But they all, the book also contended that alien bodies that people saw were actually these anthropomorphic dummies, these six-foot-tall dummies, obvious, you know, dummies. I mean, so, and, and they didn't even use them in 1947. The Air Force didn't start using these test dummies. They were used for high-altitude test drops, uh, and they didn't start using them until 1953. So, so basically that whole Roswell report case closed by the Air Force was a complete farce. But actually in a book by, uh, in Roswell, The Ultimate Cold Case Closed by Thomas Carey and Donald Schmidt, it gets into more, uh, actually those guys interviewed Marcel Jr. Uh, in 1999, and uh, it gets into what uh, Marcel Jr. told them guys about this McCandrew contacting them, and we're going to get into that. Uh, Marcel Jr. was a witness that they say never backed down. And we're going to read this. This is from page 154 and 155 from uh, Roswell, The Ultimate Cold Case Closed. And I will, I will leave links for these books in the description for the Roswell Legacy and also Roswell, The Ultimate Cold Case Closed in the description. I just want to say one thing about the, the Roswell Cold Case Closed. This is the best book on Roswell. These guys wrote several books. And actually, I recommend all of them. But this is their latest one. It was published in 2020. Uh, if you want to know about Roswell, there's the, some of the tips bits i'm going to uh, relate to you right now this is what you're this is what you're going to get and this is great stuff and this is why it's i think this book is important for anybody who really wants to understand what happened in roswell but anyway here we go it says um we're going to get in there um Dr. Marcel never backed down from the mogul nonsense. After all, Marcel was there in 1947 and actually handled the true wreckage from the crash, unlike McCandrew, who was the one, the guy who was putting together that uh, Roswell report for the Air Force, who was yet not to, who was yet to be born. He was the expert on all things mogul and knew nothing about the eyewitness testimony and, if we were to hazard a guess, nothing about the original event. Why else would the then Major McCandrew repeatedly call a ranking officer, Colonel Marcel, and attempt to persuade him that all he handled were pieces of a balloon. Each and every time, after some cordial jousting, Jesse politely stood by what he knew to be the truth. On the sixth call, McAndrew, growing more and more frustrated, finally yelled into the phone, What is it going to take for you to accept that all you saw was a balloon? Jesse would never waver. After he reminded McAndrew that he should have a little more respect for a senior officer, the subordinate McAndrew conceded, then I guess we'll never know what you actually saw back in 1947. You know, you could see that there was an effort, basically, to uh, by, the, uh, by the Air Force to force 
Marcel Jr. to, to say something that wasn't true. They were trying to pressure him into it, but they did. They were successful in pressuring somebody else. And this, there's proof in this. This book provides the proof of, of that, how, how the Air Force successfully pressured the guy who was in charge of Project Mogul, the, the late Charles B. Moore. Uh, you probably, if you've watched any old Roswell documentaries, you probably saw this guy before. Uh, he's taught, he's the one who's always uh, pro balloon. He's, 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 he favors the, the balloon theory because it was him actually who launched the mogul balloons, but he wasn't at first. He didn't say that he had a different opinion at first. And we're going to go through that. Uh, we're going to read this is from 148 uh, we're going to read uh, some sections from 148 into page into section uh from page 148 to page 151 in roswell the ultimate cold case closed uh by uh carrie and schmidt and it says here the man in charge of the mogul project in 1947 had the following to say about any form of balloon being responsible for the roswell debris reel there wasn't the balloon in use in back in 1947 or even today for that matter that could have produced debris over such a large area or torn up the ground in any way. I have no idea what such an object might have been, but I can't believe a balloon would have fit such a description. That was the first time that meteorolo meteorological physicist Charles B. Moore was asked to comment on the newly discovered data by investigator William Moore in 1979. But 25 years later, the former mogul engineer had a much higher calling. The Air Force needed their own authority to endorse their new theory so basically at when he was first in the late 70s after jesse marcel senior had went on the record basically by that point talking about uh uh that this that you know there was a ufo it wasn't a balloon that what and then so this william moore uh who was a researcher who was working with stanton freeman and also a writer charles burlitz to come up with to, to put the first roswell book together um the first there was a, that was it was called the Roswell incident. Uh, they did that first book right, and d during the research they actually contacted this Charles B. Moore, who was in charge of the Project Mogul back in 1947. And he this was his comment at the time. He said, "No, there's no way it could have been a blown." But see what happened in, uh, by the late by the 90s, Moore was singing a different tune because the Air Force obviously got to him, came to him, and told him that they wanted him to tell this story. They wanted him to make up this story. And we're going to read a little bit more of this. It says here, Moore had originally been recruited, recruited by the Army Air Corps from the Meteorological Training School and was assigned to the New York University Constant Altitude Balloon Project. This is where Project Mogul was born. And under the supervision of Dr. James Peoples and assisted by Dr. Albert P. Crary, Moore engineered pressure sensors controlling the release of ballast in large clusters of neoprene balloons to maintain a relatively constant altitude, all of which was necessary for Mogul to be successful. Still, the hypothesis looked good on paper. The balloon trains would reach the required height, albeit short-lived, and then would quickly descend to the ground below. Moore would start to launch the Mogul devices from Alamogordo, New Mexico, about 100 miles south of the Foster Ranch, with Foster Ranch, of course, is where some of the debris was found. There was actually a, a, a the, where the main piece of the crack, the, uh, the flying saucer actually came down uh, closer to Roswell, just north of Roswell, and that's where the alien bodies were found. Jesse Marcel Sr., by the way, he never saw the alien bodies. He only saw that initial, that, that the, the debris field on the Brazel Ranch, but again, there was a different site further, uh, uh, closer to Roswell, just north of Roswell, where the uh, 45 miles north of Roswell, where the main piece, the bigger piece crashed and the alien bodies were discovered. But anyway, continuing it here, it says, uh, about 100 miles south of the Foster Ranch, beginning in June 1947, that's when the uh, 
the mogul started. And it says, nevertheless, in 1993, the Air Force needed more to put such a balloon where they needed it most, not at a, a predetermined altitude as was designed, but on the ground, untracked and lost, only to be discovered by some hick cowboy and then later misidentified by a bunch of Keystone cops over at Roswell who just happened to be in charge of the bomb. Whatever it takes, Dr. Moore put it on the Froster Ranch. So basically, this this book then gets into how, you know, uh, more shoehorn basically changed facts, changed changed everything to try to shoehorn this possibility that that what was found was this balloon, and it really wasn't. I mean, if you read this book, uh, you find out that there really that there was no balloon, there was no balloon that could have crashed there. There was no balloon sent that the, there wasn't even any any file on any balloon that was sent for that uh, uh, on the day that this would have happened. It was just totally ridiculous. But not only that, but. Uh, one of the other things that was interesting was that, and this had to be something that the Air Force told Moore to say. Uh, he, they, they must have told him to come up with an explanation for the uh, I-beam with the hieroglyphics on it, right? So he came up with this uh, story that, yeah, they... they, they with the way when they put these things together, he had this scotch tape that had that was from a a toy store, right? Uh, and he and he used this tot and had little like like uh, markings on it, like balloons, like kitty kind of stuff, and put and put it on this balsa wood, and that's what they must have saw when he was talking about an eye beam. Uh, but no, that's not what they saw. So obviously, Moore was definitely making up a story for the Air Force. The Air Force had him tell this story. And actually, here's I'm going to read. This is from page 151. Um, it talks about that. It says the cellophane, cellophane tape used to assemble the foil kites with cutesy floral designs that Moore claimed were misidentified by the witnesses as strange hieroglyphic-like symbology on the true wreckage was said to be manufactured by a toy store called Merrick in New York City. And of course, this is the best part of this whole report here. No such company existed in 1947. So actually, uh, you know, uh, Schmidt and, and Carrie did their research and there was no toy store uh, called Merrick that uh, in 1947 uh, that, that Moore talked about. So that was a lie. So basically, they were making this up. They were making this whole thing up to try to make the whole thing, basically to make it look foolish, to make it look Roswell like it didn't happen. We'll read a little bit more here. It says here, these and other damning inconsistencies already described leave any likelihood that a mogul balloon was responsible for what crashed outside Roswell in 1947 totally unfounded, unproven, and unbelievable. Balloons don't crash. To make the mogul explanation work, all the facts based on multiple witness eyewitness testimonies had to be admitted, whereas to make the balloon work, more needed to shoehorn the facts. Data had to be twisted, manipulated, and outright falsified to transform what was originally called a theory into the Air Force's new solution to stop the Roswell proponents for good. Now, there's a lot more. Again, this, there's so many details in this book, and I, I, I can't recommend it enough. Uh, if you're interested in Roswell, that's, what you, you, that's where you need to go. You need to read that book. I mean, more so than any documentary will ever tell you. There's just so much information in it it's just never touched on. Uh, but anyway, Moore was actually, obviously, he was either, I, I think he was pressured. He was pressured into telling this uh, bogus story because initially in 1979 when he was interviewed, he said there was no way. There's no way that the, a balloon uh, would have dug up the ground like uh, what they saw in, in, you know, in the Roswell crash. Like the ground was all torn up in, in addition to uh, finding the, the wreckage. So it just, he said, there's just no way. He, that's what he said in 1979. But then in the early 90s, now he's saying a different story. Obviously, the Air Force wanted to change, they wanted a story to tell the public. Uh, 
to try to basically debunk it. And this, they got more as their that was the only guy of all the people that, that the only and he really wasn't a witness. He's the only guy that they have. Uh, there were like there, there were no witnesses to a balloon, none. The hundreds and hundreds of there were hundreds of people that were interviewed uh, over the years. Uh, none, not one person talked about a balloon, not one. And the Air Force, you know, even more when he was first approached in 1979, he said there was no way it could have been a balloon. That's not what balloons don't crash, and you know, it wouldn't have, you know, Marcel would have known better, basically. But then, of course, the Air Force needed him. They needed somebody. And the only person, that only somebody could have been the guy who was in charge of Project Mogul. So they, I don't know, maybe they paid him money to do it. Who knows? Who, or, you know, maybe he thought he was doing his patriotic duty. Whatever it was, more total lie. More made up this story about the tape and everything else. There was no Toy Story. And think about that. Think about that. So they had to come up with something. And that's what they came up with. They tried, But they did try to pressure Marcel Jr. They obviously tried to pressure Marcel Jr., so, and you wonder actually today, you know, you know, is, is there, are they, pre- you know, I don't, I don't think that's happening today. Not, you know, probably not so much. Uh, I mean, there's obviously efforts by the Pentagon right now, as we, we've been talking about to uh, basically undermine the UAP report that's, that's coming out. But uh, for the most part, uh, you know, it seems like in the, they, they needed this. They, they, this is the only thing they could do. This is the best they could come up with. Right. And the, and the whole they didn't have any witnesses for the dummies. There was nobody. The Air Force, that was just something McCandrew dreamed up. He he actually he, he just sat there, sat in a chair. Actually, this is how the whole dummy idea, the whole explanation for aliens that you know, that the Air Force came up with, the anthropomorphic dummies. That was just McCandrew sitting around just thinking about it. And then, you know what? Maybe it was dummies. That, that's how he came up with it. There was nobody came to him and said, yeah, you know, I, we saw a dummy out there one time. No, none of that. He just dreamed it up. And then and then forced and then forced up this came up with this uh, uh, bogus uh, b- mogul balloon story and people are still talking about it. I you know I, I talk about this all the time. There's there's stuff all over YouTube that, and, and and the internet all over the place, right? By different debunkers and people who still think that the, the mogul story is true. That's what Wikipedia talks about. It's all bogus. When you do the research, you understand that 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 whole Air Force explanation is bunk, total bunk. Something crashed at Roswell, right? And it was extraterrestrial for sure. It wasn't no balloon. It's the whole balloon thing was a lie. The dumb the people weren't seeing dummies. People saw aliens. And people actually there was people that actually signed affidavits like Walter Hout, who was the public relations officer in Roswell in 1947, the one who wrote the initial press release that said the Air Force captured a, a, a flying saucer. He he wrote up the press release and he and he signed an affidavit several years before he died stating that no what we what he actually saw bodies he he knew that it was most certainly from outer space there's and it was extraterrestrial he saw bodies himself so yeah the air force has been lying about this and this is just another case of it again i I, people who really want to i mean there's a lot of different books i recommend but some of the top books of course is ufos and the national security state volumes one and two by richard dolan and and for roswell the ultimate book is the ultimate cold case closed by schmidt and carrie that's 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 if you're into ufos you got to check it out i mean it's just it's 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 you know, it's just one of those things you got to have. I mean, there's just so much great information in there, stuff you'll never hear in a documentary. Uh, and it's, it just, 
I, the, the mainstream press needs to get these books. I mean, if, if you're in the working in the mainstream press, maybe they need to start investigating this. Get c- copies of these books. Read read them. Sit down. Read them. Take notes, right? Maybe start investigating this yourselves, and, and you'll realize that there's something going on here and that the Pentagon's covering this up. Other, otherwise, I mean, you must be working along with them. Or, or, you know, I don't know, because you, you're either you're lazy, you're stupid, or you, I don't know. You need to get on it, though, because th- there is a cover-up, and, you know, we should be over this hump already. This is ridiculous. 